We're here with, believe it or not, Johnny and the Food Masters, because we're, Glenn and I are so self-indulgent that we are going to have our own band on our own podcast. Um, but let me introduce the whole group. We have Lindy Lou, Benjamin Hi. Tan. But, okay, I saw Ben Tan, Chris Hi. Solidarity. Yo, what up? And as you know, G. Gordon Gritty, aka Glenn, and myself. So I've been thinking a lot about recently during this time of uh, quarantine and everything that it's pretty amazing that this band has been around for five years now, considering the first show was initially was, uh, 4th of July, 2015, and just like kind of an amazing thing for any band to be around for five years. It's really and, far, far longer than this band had any right to go for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, can't, I, I didn't think it would ever actually be as long, last as long as it has. <laughs> And uh, I mean, it's such a blessing, though. And I just want to express my deepest regard, gratitude, rather, to all of you for that. Yeah, likewise. But on on a less serious note, though, what have you all been up to? Woo! Well, I, as you guys know, I work as an elementary music teacher, so that was certainly a big adjustment <laughs> when everything went down in March. And for the first time in a little while, I'm really getting a summer vacation. Like this is probably the first time in like five years, really, that I've right. that that I've actually taken the summer off. You know, like which is the whole point of being a school teacher. <laughs> you know, but you know, I'm such a workaholic yeah. that I would always, you know, get these summer gigs but that's not happening this year so you know just trying to uh just trying to you know just hang around and go for walks and you know trying to stay in touch with people to some degree and you know simpsons binges yeah 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 Yeah, ben and i have a simpsons podcast with our friend Lonel. pretty awesome wendy how you been doing been all right you know fun employment now (laughs) yeah living in the land without time (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah, I yeah, hear you. Yeah. I miss going to shows. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. Seesaw, what have you been up to? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it's it's definitely been a strange and bizarre time. I mean, I think I'm, you know, I'm grateful to be sort of in a position probably luckier than most and that, that I'm still working full time. And, you know, I've been like, you know, doing my regular stuff, surfing, you know, organizing, so that's different, digital, you know, over over uh, digital platforms than it is in person. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm generally just kind of feeling a, uh, a big hole where, you know, making really loud, obnoxious, terrible music in the form yeah. of Johnny and the Food Masters and, and shows and all of that sort of stuff. So I'm definitely feeling that. Actually, uh, my partner, similarly, before I got on this call, said that there's like a, you know, there's a bit. She she actually misses hearing from Johnny, uh, seeing Johnny in the Food Master shows, which yeah. I think is like probably she's probably the one one of the few people in the state of Massachusetts that could say that and mean it. So I would argue that we're only terrible one third of the time. That's a good that's a round table question for everyone. What we can get into is what does yeah. what does the band mean to you? Which I guess we're saying, what does the band mean to everyone, or how do they interpret it? Because it is we've it is at least yeah, from what other people tell us, yeah. it's it's different maybe sure. than how we ourselves band 
perceive it. Yeah, even amongst, like, even amongst us, yeah. it could be different. I kind of like Matt Garlic as we were we were talking with him on the podcast. He, just like I don't know if he's just like smoking. Just like yeah, it's just like it's just like your guys' version of like the oldies. I'm like yeah, I mean yeah, that's, that's, I mean that's what? a pretty simplified way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, it's accurate. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, I sort of look at it as uh, it's very pure, just unadulterated mayhem. And I don't think there is as much of a you know with a typical band of like you know that sort of like we need to sort of put this and, and yeah, have it make sense in a way to to like the audience. I think it's more like what makes sense to us or feels right to us and and just the joy of playing music in a way that people might have with karaoke or in a way at a, at a party or something or just some pure expression from an escape from the regular all the other shit you have to deal with you have to like deal with in a more conventional way whether it's your job or whatever else world where it's like you just kind of play this music and belt it out and, and just have fun with it yes belting lots of belting yes lots of belting <laughs> but that's my take yeah i mean i guess it's just yeah like pure fun and just like enjoying the the chaos or i don't not even noticing the chaos you know i feel like the show where people like most got it or whatever was like one of like the Providence shows or even yeah. both of the Providence shows. i think that was like one of those things with like an instant like audience connection and i think the audience there to them it was just like this is just like a chance to just like jump and just like get into the get just get into like whatever was going on and yeah no yeah concern or judgment or worries about things like skill or whatever yeah i mean those those people i hired just did a great i mean wait, wait. no yeah i agree so, that, that is uh my favorite food master show as well i think you're talking about the one from a couple of years ago it was march 2018 at uh, news cafe in yeah. Island. yeah that, that was amazing yeah Let's see. I think it was... Mm, sea Solid. I can't, sea can't remember solid the exact date. But yeah, Sea Solid. What's your take? Yeah, I've uh, I've thought, even before this podcast, I've thought long and hard about like my views of, about <laughs> yeah. Johnny and the Food Masters. Uh, and so I have a I have a, a, a three-part thesis on Johnny okay. and the Food Masters. The first, the, the, the first part of my, my thoughts is, I think Johnny and the Food Masters, it is... At its core, a conflict between order and chaos. Like, uh, well said. And, and I think that, like, like you have different bandmates that reflect different aspects or uh, of that spectrum. So, like, Ben is like when we play, like, he is he knows all the songs. Like, he actually like he holds us together. Like, he knows like you know he's an amazing pianist and he know and he's a he's a multi instrumentalist. So like he can like like whenever we get lost, it's like okay, well, what is Ben doing? And like <laughs> let me try to like figure out what like what chord he's playing or like what part of the song he's in or whatever. Yeah. And then on the other end of things, it's like Glenn and Brian who are just like, they are like agents of chaos. They're like, you know, like Glenn is just like, just playing with like his effects pedals, like at like, when we've played at the Cantab, like he's like upstairs, like trying to like, he's got his like wireless like mic and guitar and he's like just jumping around and going crazy. And like, I feel like, you know, like the rest of us and, you know, like sort of fall in between, somewhere between, you know, some of us lean more towards the order, some of us lean more towards the chaos. 
all that sort of stuff. So that's one point. The second point is, I don't know, I feel like there's something about us playing oldies that is like i don't know there's like some kind of like statement like even if it's like sort of unconscious about us like taking that old music and just destroying it and turning it into like complete punk you know and it's like Mm -hmm. i feel like there's something about i don't know you know most of us grew up in the suburbs and i think all of us actually grew up in the suburbs of some sort and it's just like you know it's like something about taking that music and destroying it and I, i haven't quite gotten there as far as what that means but I feel like there's something there about it and then the last thing is I think like what people have all talked about is just like just how pure within all that stuff is just like the pure fun energy that comes from a Johnny's show and it's like it confuses people it angers people (laughs) but it also is like at the core it's like for us it's like all about having fun and it's like I feel like I'm in a bit of a unique position by the fact that like you know even like you know Lindy came into the group but like and like you know like I feel like at this point like we can all say like everybody is like really good friends with each other but like I feel like for me it's like each of you were sort of friends before this and like I feel like I came you know I'd say especially with Glenn and Chris like I became even closer friends with you two like through the process of being in Johnny's and getting to know you Mm -hmm. and so like yeah I think it's just yeah it's just like really having a lot of fun with friends and like I don't do it because the music is good i do it because like i like hanging out with all of you, you know? so fair enough uh to the couple of those points mm-hmm. it's it's interesting that uh the second point that you mentioned with like taking the oldies um sort of destroying them in a way andy mcbain made a similar observation and he said yeah i think because specifically on one hand yes also even if it was like a, i'm kind of paraphrasing i can't remember exactly what he said but one time he said to me that you know on one hand even if it was kind of like a noise sort of band a lot of people can kind of just ignore that but the fact that you're taking these songs that people know and are often cherished and destroying them is what <laughs> makes it really that difference and what's interesting because his perspective if you listen to some of tunnel of love's covers they are in a way more like purposeful way and way more like sort of nuance but they are very much doing the same thing of destroying these songs to the point that you can't even recognize that they, they are the originals really for the most part and i mean they did mostly originals but they did have few covers so i thought that was interesting him saying that and to the third point you were saying of uh yeah i mean where it's like you just almost don't even care as much where it's just like it's just the fun of it i think there is a purity to that yeah you can't really fake and as far as it being good or bad is almost like a whole other thing and i don't mean that it's like a cop but i just mean it's like going back to what matt garlic said he's like i think he was referring more to g gordon gritty but i'm not sure but he was saying like after you see something like gritty or food masters sometimes you realize i he said kind of paraphrasing what he said they realizes how much bullshit he sees and including he said that he included himself in that and i think there is something to that i think that it's no it's it's not being like baked and that's why i've kind of always took like i don't personally agree with the whole like uh it's like someone's trying to do something that's bad or trying to purposely do something it just uh just like is what it is one way or another and you can kind of take it for what it is or not but just yeah it's not like i don't like the like fake kind of you know it's not fake in a way that's my mr brian mr brian yo what's up guys 
Holy shit! Popping in. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Do that fucking attic, whatever He's it is. Crossed it's amazing. over into the realm of Zoom. <laughs> yeah, we brought Brian in. Yeah, barely. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> we're we're delving Welcome. deeply into the intellectual study of Johnny and the <laughs> Freedmasters. Brian, our drummer, is with us. Yes. Yeah. All should uh, bow, fall to their knees. I never thought I would hear food masters and intellectual in the same sentence. Just going to say this, guys. Right now, I'm, I'm rolling a joint. If you're, nice. not, if you're not smoking weed, you should stop what you're doing. Yeah, I agree. Good point. I agree. <laughs> Actually, on, I this, might... on this Sunday night, I agree. Yeah, I was contemplating taking I got a some spray. gummy. Yeah, I might actually <laughs> get one of my like chocolate thing, weed chocolate. Yeah. I will yeah. be right back. Right on. <laughs> so, Glenn, quickly, or actually whatever pace suits you, what's your take on Food Masters? And then we'll hit Brian. And then, and then we'll. you said, Ben, you wanted the last word, then we'll hit you, Ben. Oh, yeah. I, I knew you would all try to hit me at some point. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I mean, you saw Goodfellas. I gave you a heads up years ago. So, if we're talking about Johnny and the Food Masters, yes, it is exactly what everyone has already mentioned, of course. But, and also to, to, to further along the point that it does feel like being in a band in, in all the great ways, in sort of like what Seesaw was saying, it just, just really hanging out and having fun. The expression is through music. There is certainly a spectrum of chaos and order, which would separate that from a lot of, I, I think... Most of the bands that see, there doesn't seem to be as much of a disparity between that. A lot of bands mm. s- seem to seem to be closer on this on that spectrum, and I'm just really fortunate that we have that that element to us. And it probably won't. No matter, even if Ben, I don't know what it would take for you to start, you know, going in the other direction, but I, it just wouldn't happen that way. I can't, I didn't, it's been five I'd years. Scared, he, honestly. He, he hasn't turned to the dark side yet. He's still held up. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. That that's why it's scary, Yeah. Yes. So th- those are my thoughts. It's it's a pleasure playing with, with all of you and it doesn't feel, I can't do it again. It, it's just a good time, especially the shows. The shows, I love jamming. Yeah. The jams are amazing. The the shows, it, it almost, to me, I compare it to, it's like playing a nine-hole golf course versus playing an 18. <laughs> oh, if you wow. play a nine-hole golf course, it's it's nice, you know, in, but if you're playing 18... It's a totally new experience. You gotta experience. endure. You gotta endure the whole thing. Can't get can't get out of it easy. So that's what Food Masters. It's um. It's a marathon. <laughs> yeah, endurance is a good way to put it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I some like, can't. Some can't hang. I really like both. I really like the shows and the jams. I think um, they complement each other really well. It's obviously like a whole other experience when you're presenting this stuff to strangers, or not even necessarily strangers, but just people, and being in that live setting. And it is a show and everything. But I kind of always felt like the jam. I don't know, it was more than just like a practice. It was just kind of a, a real like fun experience that was a, kind of like the the group of friends coming together and, and just you know a lot of times it would be in practice for a show, but but um, also just experience it to itself. Mm-hmm. You know, several substances induced later in my Sundays that uh, it's always and sure will continue to be just an experience unto itself, not just a stepping stone to, to the show itself. So Brian, and then we'll go to Ben. Brian, thoughts on Food Masters? Yo, thoughts on Food Masters? That's a big one. Not much, not much thinking going on in a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well put. 
Well said. Yeah, I think that's actually a fair assessment because there is a lot well, of... According um, to Seesaw, Solid, you represent the, the chaos side of... He does. The Ryan, you do. <laughs> um, I think that's a fair assessment because there is a lot of, um, you know, it is a lot of sort of just action that, you know, with a typical band, there would be more back-to-back sort of dialogue about how to go about like a song or something or whatever. And there is a little bit of that, but it's definitely more just like, just fucking let's go kind of mm-hmm. a lot of it. So it's... But yeah, like, I feel like that's like, I guess like, like, I really kind of see this band and like, kind of, obviously this is what it is, but like, I kind of think of it as like kind of took shape somehow was like kind of like similar to like the, what the Ramones did you know we're just like taking like yeah. these like classic great songs and just playing them harder and faster yeah totally um, and that's what kind of we were talking we've been talking about of just you know taking the oldies and kind of destroying them and in a lot of ways but perhaps in an affectionate way and uh, yeah I, you know the more and more not just being in this band but the more I listen to a lot of stuff and just listen to stuff over the past few decades I think that's that's what I really like because you listen to a lot of these songs and it's like the template is there like for these 60 songs for you know whether it's a great punk song or whatever it is it could go into a number of directions and a lot of like pop element it, it laid down Thank the you. Ben for the template. Yeah, absolutely. But just even the songs themselves, like they like like you know they laid down the template for uh, like well, Carolyn, for example, like the, the Strange Loves, great song and everything. But the covers I've heard of that song are much better because I feel like they laid down the, the excellent songwriting. But you can take it into a number of directions, you know. In this project, it perhaps yeah. taken to to an eerie kind of weird, demented point. But but I think that like, those that's, that's where the songs lead themselves. Yeah, because like what I kind of like feel like with the Food Masters is like I kind of like regard this band like similar like the uh, blues jazz thing, mm. you know where it's like it's all about just like the template you know like because like i mean you know like people play like blues or jazz like professionally like they don't usually like write their own songs they just like you know like there's like there's like you know a couple hundred songs out there that like everyone knows and like people like just play those songs and they're just constantly playing different you know kind of mm-hmm. feel like we do that and like uh sort of yeah i can see that yeah absolutely uh, yeah so ben I'm going to weigh in your thoughts on Food Masters. So my favorite take on the Food Masters came from Jim Leonard. He has a better take on what we are than anything that I could ever come up with. Um, So... You know, we're we're just like hanging at a bar one night. I think we were hanging at Jeannie Johnston, actually. <laughs> like, he's just like the, the the second home of Johnny and the Food Masters, really. Yeah. And the band started with this idea that we're only going to play songs that were played in Johnny's Food Master. And you know, Glenn and Brian can speak far more to this than I ever could. But Johnny's Food Master. They only ever played stuff from, generally speaking, early 60s and then older than that. So, like, a lot of 50s stuff, you know, doo-wop and early rock and roll. And 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 Jim, he just tells me, hey, what I love about Food Masters is that you only play the material from before rock and roll started taking itself seriously. Mm. And that's just so true because, yeah. you know, in the mid-60s is when, you know, you got the Beatles started taking themselves seriously. And you got Bob Dylan making rock albums. And, you know, mid-60s, you see this shift of rock and roll being taken seriously as an art form by the artists themselves. And it was no longer dance music. It was no longer music for teenagers. It, it, 
you know, it was no longer entirely meant as, you know, fun music to dance to. Right. You know, so in a sense, like the Johnny's Foodmaster soundtrack is kind of going back to that more innocent era, if you will, that that American graffiti era, if you will. You know, kind That's of a good age, point. Kind of the age of innocence yeah. of, of rock and roll, if you will. Um, That's a good point. Just say, when we talked to Jim on here before, he touched upon that a little bit about like rock and roll being, sort of like the blues being really serious, um, dealing with, you know, whatever issues like poverty, you know, and stuff like that. But rock and roll being this more fun, you know, almost like these characters in a way. Absolutely. Um, even that, that Richie Valens video you posted way back, that, that kind of, you know, we see that, I don't know what movie that even is with Chuck Berry and Alan Freed in it. I mean, you get, you get that sense of that. You know, it really is this, uh, you know, these characters in a way that, they're not, it's not that they're not, there should be distinction made. It's not that they're not taking the work seriously, but they're not taking their, themselves seriously. No. And something really incredible yeah. about this era is that you've got like Alan Freed, Chuck Berry, and Richie Valens in the same film, which is to say you've got a white guy, a black guy, and a Mexican guy all being part of the same rock and roll movement. Mm. And, and quite frankly, that was huge in the 50s and 60s. That it was a big deal for that to be happening. Absolutely. The Tammy show happened in 1964, and for a 1964 concert film to include black artists, white artists, British artists, and American artists all as kind of part of this rock and roll movement, that was a pretty radical thing for the Tammy show to be doing back in that era, you know, and this is, this is in the heat of the civil rights era where you've got Martin right. Luther King and Malcolm X and all that stuff going on. So it, it was a pretty radical thing happening in those early days of rock and roll. And then, you know, kind of to the point of chaos and order. I, I mean, I personally feel that, yeah, we do kind of exist somewhere in the middle of those two ideas. And I feel like to some degree we've like, like in my, in my opinion, at least I feel like we work best or this, or this music works best when it doesn't go too far one way or the other. Like, Fair enough. like, like I feel like if, if we were all chaos and all noise, this project would have gotten old really fast, you know? Yeah, I agree to that and, point. I think there's, just going off of that point real quick, there is so, I mean, noise music unto itself is a kind of a jarring thing, especially the first time you experience it, but it is a convention in its own right, and I'm not trying to take away from noise artists, so like... Sure. It is a convention, though, so, like, I, I do agree that I think that... Yeah, and there's, like, different degrees of noise, you know? Like, like we did... I think our first July 4th show five years ago was definitely in the chaos direction, or, like, say, the Black Lodge show was definitely more in the chaos direction. And then, like, in 2017, we did a show after Chuck Berry died, and Glenn was sick, and he missed that show. And you take the noise guitar out of the equation and it doesn't work. You know, when you take the noise guitar out, we're just another cover band. So it, it's like there, it's that element that needs to be part of it or else, or else we kind of lose something. That's a good point. Cause yes, we could, I don't, I don't remember the exact dates of when this, current iteration came chris would know that obviously he's so good with dates <laughs> well i have you know, no like idea even, 
Well, Lindy and yeah, Lindy like, and even Cecil, like I remember when exactly was. Well, they were kind of in the fold from the beginning. Like even before Lindy was in the band, she was coming to our shows, and yeah, we have this policy. Band. We have this policy of if you come to five shows, you get to be in the band. So Lindy won the contest, and she's been with us ever since. And we've been a far better band for it. Yeah, Lindy's yep. first show was the Middle East Upstairs, which is a which is a pretty great first show. Yeah, I'm a ding dong. It was 20... a great first show. That's true. Seven, 16? 17. 17. 2016. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. That was, that was our all-star show with a lot of members that we, oh, <laughs> that we had right. never had before or since. So it was like a contest to see like who would make it through that show. And like we had like four shows that month and it was like very overwhelming. But sure enough, Lindy it's came through. wild, but... <laughs> it's yeah so we were yeah to have a show at the middle east upstairs well if we didn't put it on we wouldn't have had the show yeah 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 <laughs> that, i feel like that's the case with some shows but hey can't fault no fault of our own but that was also the month that we had like four bookings <laughs> throughout the month and <laughs> april 2016 yeah that was the month that i'm, I'm like guys we can't do that oh. we can't be doing oh, four yeah. shows a month wow and stars i think was the next one. Oh boy oh. Oh and no! That's um, wild. Oh, Uncharted and lol. Uncharted was oh, really wow. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was a really funny now show. Get, that was the. ABT. I think that was one of the first shows where like we legitimately just like cleared out a crowd and I I saw it and noticed and I was like yeah. oh yeah like this is uh like like I generally don't look up during when we play you know I'm just like feeling it with you guys but like when I looked up and I was like oh like there were like 50 people in this place and now there's like three. Oh yeah yeah they left pretty quickly and then we we just all went to get Chinese food after all in all it was a pretty great night when was the that wilder zangcraft show that was november 2015 that was a fun show what yeah we actually had back-to-back shows on uh now you're now you're getting all chris on me i feel like we've had memory (laughs) well we've had few enough shows that i can remember them (laughs) well we i know how many shows have we played out of 36 maybe more than 30 i think yeah probably more than 30 but not more than 50 really that seems low (laughs) it's hard to say because if you really think about if you so say it's five years if you play every month for five years you play 60 shows but like you said we did have a stretch where we were playing a lot of shows but then we also had long stretches where there was no shows yeah Mm -hmm. like there was that period when like brian had hurt his hand like there was, well, it's like the first time it happened. <laughs> Brian went to vocals, and we had Rich on drums for for a few shows, and then then there was like a longer stretch, like throughout 2016, where we had to kind of like Brian hurt his hand, and I was in grad school, and just the cards were in such a place where we had to kind of take the rest of 2016 off, and then we came back with a vengeance in 2017. That's that's wild to me that it was just. 2016 when you're talking 2016 2017 it doesn't feel that long ago yeah i don't know like i almost feel like april i don't know if you guys feel the same way but april may and june almost never even happened yeah i mean for what it's worth the earliest food masters recording that i still have in my phone under voice memos is from 
mm-hmm. Christmas Eve 2016. That's the earliest? That I, that I still have in, in my phone, yeah. I mean, I've got in the The cloud, other ones are on tape. Well, I've got, I've got the other stuff in the cloud <laughs> yeah, the- somewhere, you know. Maybe uh, Brian and Glenn could speak to the experience of working at Johnny's Foodmaster, where this all kind of started. I'm very interested to hear that end. What do you say, guys? So, Glenn, what, could you speak to your experience of working at Johnny's Foodmaster? Oh, yes. Well, it was indeed January 2006. I was hired to work at Johnny's Foodmaster, and it was a wonderful, it was a, it was a great time. It wasn't like working at any other place. Uh, because there was, there was such a camaraderie amongst the employees. I mean, no one really hoped, but Sorry. except for the people that lived in, the only people that hung out was the people in Greenwood, like Brian and his crew. Yeah. Mr. Brian? Yes. So so that was January 2006. Fast forward to November 2012, and we received word that the entire supermarket chain is closing forever. This is this is terrible news. My heart was broken. I couldn't believe it because I loved working there. Even though every time I went there, I always tell the employees and they was crazy. I said, it's like I'm on vacation is when I'm working here. I don't think Brian had the same experience. Well, you were there a lot longer than Brian was, For to be fair. Uh, no, he had some moments. Brian, are you there? Yo, yo, yeah, yeah, what's up? You worked at Foodmaster yeah, for yeah, a like, while, work, right? Working, yeah, yeah, work, work, work at Foodmaster for like, kind of like worked there, um, yeah, from like middle of high school to like, I think I worked there for like a year or two after college, you know, and, and then like on the summers, and then, um, yeah, then, 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 then I think I, I quit or something. Yeah, Giants is the best music, you know, like just playing like the the the, the, the classics, you know, and the classics. Well, some of the Johnny's music that kind of left an impression on you, uh, like Brian? like pretty much like 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 most of it, you know. Yeah, the whole the whole day was pretty stacked with just. Um, on the last day of work, I wrote down every song that was that was played and. I just loved it all. It was really, it was so special. I want to try to pull up that list. Yeah, you could find that list. I remember I really loved Bad to Me. Oh, yeah. Which is why I keep sometimes wanting to play it at practice, just because... I love that we don't really do any Beatles songs, but we do Bad to Me. I kind of love sure. that. So so here's the list that you wrote down on, on your last day of work at Johnny's Foodmaster in 2012. Patsy Cline's version of You Belong to Me, Holly's Pay You Back with Interest, The Orlans' Wah Wah Tusi, The Beatles' I Feel Fine, Peter and Gordon, I Go to Pieces, Hollywood Flames' Buzz, 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 Jerry Lee Lewis, whole lot of shaking going on. Sam Cooke, Wonderful World. Elvis Presley, Suspicious Minds. Marvelettes, Please Mr. Postman. Jay and the Techniques, Apples, Peaches, Pumpkin Pie. Some some super deep cuts here. Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas, Bad to Me, a song written by John Lennon. Beach Boys, California Girls, Tommy Tommy James and the Shondells, Panky Panky. The Searchers, Needles and Pins. Dion, Lovers Who Wander, Coasters, Yakety Yak. Bobby Rydell, Wild One. I'm a Wild One. Tua Clark, Sign of the Times. Tommy Rose, Sweet Pea. Maurice Williams and the Zodiacs, Stay. Uh, of Shirelles, course. Yeah, Sherelle's dedicated to the one I love. Paul Revere and the Raiders, I'm Not Your Stepping Stone. Huh. Good Never song. realized they recorded that one. Four Tops, it's the same old song. Oh, God, I love that one. We should do that one. Yeah. Randy wow. and the Rainbows, Denise. Oh, wow. Oh, Denise, yeah. stop it. Oh, Denise, should we do? Um, I love that. Oh, that's in- a nice one. Oh, yeah. Impala's Sorry, Box Tops, Soul Deep, The Turtles, You Baby, 
Oh, wow. You baby. Supremes, mm. baby love. Johnny Kidd and the Pirates, shaking all over. Righteous Brothers, you've lost that loving feeling. The Human Beings, Nobody But Me, Mickey and Sylvia, Love is Strange. And that was the last song that you ever heard at Foodmaster. It was. Love is Strange. Yeah, I, 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 let's just say I don't think that it was too big that day. Yeah, it sounds like a six set list. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, what a great, what a great era of music. You know? And yeah. And that's like the that that sound and that era that has kind of shaped our band throughout the years. It all it all really just comes back to that, you know, fifties, sixties brand of pop music. It truly does, Ben. But I'm curious if uh for others that didn't work at Food Master Self, Ben, Lindy, C Solid. What was your introduction to that music? I mean, I was raised on Oldies 103. <laughs> you know, like I was, I was pretty familiar with you know the likes of the Beatles and people of that era. You know, because that was I. I was kind of I was kind of raised on that music. You know, as a child, and that that that's like what I would listen to in the car. And like I saw, like I saw the Association live at Epcot Center in '98. I saw the Monkees in '01. You know, at the Hat Shell. Yep. I saw Ringo in '97. You know, so I was raised on, you know, I was raised on the Beatles, especially, but also kind of the their contemporaries, people who were around in the 60s. And so, I mean, that music was just very much a part of me, you know, for most of my life. What was your first experience to oldies music of the 50s and 60s? Mm, okay. I didn't like it when I was a kid. I didn't like the oldies when I was a kid. And my experience. First time coming across, it was like on the radio and everything. And it was, I don't know, I didn't like it when I was a kid. And it wasn't until I was like a teenager and into my 20s that I started to appreciate it. Yeah. But I take it for you, Ben, that you were more, you appreciated it when you were, you, you were younger. To a degree, yeah. I mean, I was... I was totally gaga about the Beatles and like I'll always have mm. I'll always have like a certain connection to the Beatles cuz they were kind of my gateway to all this stuff. Right. You know. And then like kind of later on in my life, I my first garage band was with was with uh, Moral and Brian, a little outfit called The Revivalist, which is around before that band in New Orleans. Thank you very much. And and that band kind of turned me on to a lot of like jazz and blues and this was and that was like this whole other world that i wasn't very familiar with until i started kind of making music with brian and moral um because like those guys turned me on to stuff like booker t and the mgs and ray charles and howlin wolf and muddy waters and john lee hooker and god like like miles davis and stuff like that uh, which is also like this this field of music that we've touched on, you know, various times throughout the years. Like, you know, I think we're all fans of Stax Records, 60s output. Yep. You know, a bunch of us went to see uh, Booker T live a few years back, you know. So, you know, like that Stax Records era, you know, that that's we've touched on. We've kind of touched on that catalog a few times throughout the years as well. You know, and there's so, so many great songs that we've done. And there's so many great songs that we haven't done yet. And it's really like, it's this really cool thing that like, you know, even though we we don't really do stuff past the 60s, like there's there's still so much ground that we haven't covered yet. 
you know? So yeah, totally. In, in a sense, it's like, there's still a lot of stuff that we haven't done yet, you know? And, and that's part of, that's part of what keeps this project exciting, you know? And the, the fact that we can always, we can always go for stuff that we haven't done before, you know, it helps, you know, even though we're a cover band, you know, it helps to kind of keep things fresh. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, totally. I never really thought of it as a cover band, even though obviously they are covers of songs and stuff. It's just not in the traditional kind of conventional cover band that you, sure. you normally see. I mean, I think we pretty much never covered the song quite, you know, quite exactly <laughs> the same way twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Very fair statement. Very fair. Yeah. I think also we cover a lot of ground as a whole. There's a lot of variety. Mm-hmm. Like to think that anyway. And yeah, well, you're going more, around and yeah, yeah. Just curious of Lindy and Sea Solid. Yeah, how they were, how they got into the '50s and '60s stuff. Yeah, totally. I mean, I guess for me, like a lot of it, I just heard like also just like yeah, on the constantly like on the oldies stations and then even some of it like my mom would listen to and then like I think in middle school uh, one of the music teachers is like really cool and like would do like basically teach the class like a history of music you know obviously like video and documentary and like I think it was probably like some PBS like documentary on like rock and roll or pop music like history of rock and roll or history of pop music or whatever I mean I didn't really think about it that much but and then I've just yeah I just like the sort of like moody like gloomy like girl band type aesthetic like always just like really appealed to me like since I guess high school because that's kind of a moody gloomy age or whatever so I just like really like that and then I think got back into it probably around college like I think I just like downloaded like some like zip file off a blog and it just like was a bunch of like old songs um from like the 50s and 60s like some which I'd heard before like never heard some which I had heard before but just like didn't know who was by and then it just kind of like rekindled my interest in that music. Yeah. And on on my front, yeah. I mean, I think the, like, I still remember like the first like cassette I ever listened to. And that was, you know, my mom, like I, I literally remember like six years old, my mom, like taking us like for walks, I think even younger than that, like whatever, whenever like sort of right after strollers were like, you're sort of at that age where you're like, you don't need to get like pushed around all the time but you're like you occasionally will be like put in a stroller or whatever because it's easy enough for your parents to like you know not have to worry about it like carrying you or whatever and she always used to like go for walks with us and play uh the grit like the four tops greatest hits cassette Nice. Um, yes. And like, I distinctly still remember like that physical cassette, like the like the cover of it, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I mean, you know, like through that, like always love that sort of the the oldies music. Like got like you know the oldies like oldies one hundred three point three like Christmas album one year you know like got like a whole collection of like you know best of the 60s um like rock and roll and pop music and all that stuff and then yeah when i started 
like a few years after I started playing the guitar and started learning it, like around like sixth or seventh grade, like was when I started was like, I was never really, because of all this like prehistory, like I was never really like up with like the latest music. Like I always felt like I was like, you know, sort of behind the times, you know, like even now, like, you know, I'm never, I'm always like, probably the last to hear unless they're like some more obscure bands unless like i'm i'm very rare very rarely am i like up with like the latest singles or whatever so when i started playing guitar like i i went back to some of that music and and started also learning like and really digging into and listening to like like ben said like the blues like muddy waters howlin wolf like you know um like otis rush and and all of that sort of music and yeah just like basically was like and then went into jazz and and all of that sort of stuff and it was like you know like with brian who had that interest in like art blakey and and all that stuff we like we started playing that music in the revivalists and then i think that that's with the three of us like playing that music it was like a sort of natural transition to like then have you know ben and brian who started this who who started johnny's with glenn to then be like you know hey do you like want to play like play music again together so that's like that i guess is sort of my my trajectory um like returning to this music in a way yeah what um what age did you start playing guitar I think it was like sixth or seventh grade. Uh, oh, wow. I, I started. I started learning. Like I, I started playing the saxophone because um, it was like quote unquote like the cool instrument of all like the band instruments that they had on offer. And then realized that like, you know, the cool factor for saxophone. Uh, was not as um, you know like Kenny G and, and all that stuff was not as popular uh, as I thought so hey now, hey now. Yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> I think this is the part where I invite Liz that's when I was like oh I should like try to play try to learn another instrument um, that's a little cooler so I started I decided to pick up uh, guitar yeah I can't say I'm the most studious uh, guitarist you know but it's yeah it's still i still play it it's it's been a good uh source of expression during quarantine and all that stuff so awesome i was just gonna throw this out there to i know ben and i had talked about it before but i don't know if you guys feel like this era of of the oldies i guess we could even just put it at like 50s into early to mid 60s often gets relegated uh when people are talking about sort of going back and talking about like the great music and history at least in recent history with like rock and roll that i feel like a lot of times it gets relegated to like i don't know it almost gets pushed aside as far as like say like the beatles or the stones and zeppelin and all this you know other more like rock music kind of coming in that dylan even you know that that a lot of times it's almost like seen as like a precursor and it's not seen as as important in a way as as some of that later that stuff that eventually came that it's almost just seen as kind of like pop music that was the building block to what came next and i almost felt that way too for a while and that kind of dips dove more into that that era and i, I just i just feel like as the years go on it, it, it gets relegated to like i don't know i don't know it's weird it's like yeah. even like a 
cutesy in a way too. Like I think the term, like uh, even the name, like for doo-wop, it like almost does it a disservice. It doesn't sound as, you know, it's like, this is really like really great art, but a lot of times it just has this, people know it's there. It's, it's part of our culture, but it, it seems to get pushed aside. And I feel that way more and more over time. And I, I think that kind of plays into how there was a shift that occurred in the mid sixties where, where like these rock artists started to, take take the art form more seriously and as a result the audience started to take the music a lot more seriously you had yeah stuff like revolver pet sounds the dylan electric albums coming out which were you know i think i think the beatles and the beach boys especially you know went through a major shift in like how seriously they took themselves you know from say early 60s to mid 60s and, you know, like, it's this idea of history being written by the winners where, you know, today, you know, Rolling Stone and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and, you know, kind of this conventional wisdom, they, they tend to put, like, the Beatles and the Stones and Bob Dylan at the top and, you know, Pet Sounds. And they've really lionized that yeah. shift in the mid-60s where, you know, the Beatles are getting experimental and, you know, Brian Wilson's doing Pet Sounds. And... and it does kind of do a disservice to where those guys were coming from. And I think any of the Beatles would be the first people to tell you that, you know, they wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Buddy Holly. Like right. the Beatles, the name of the group and the entire format of the group of two guitars, a bass and drums, it came from Buddy Holly and the crickets. Right. They went and... from crickets to Beatles, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I mean, but literally, and, and I think it's very fair to say that, Chuck Berry's highly lyrical songs were paving the way for a Bob Dylan to a degree. Yeah, it just—I just feel like I, I mean, I think the shift had to happen because it needed to go into the direction of bands, really, and bands making their own original music in a lot of ways. And sure, um, but but that being said, I think that, like you pointed out, that the sort of narrative, fortunately, I think pushes aside a lot of. You know, other stuff that I just talking to, especially the more mainstream you get, um, perhaps, but just even, you know, even fans of like underground music as well. But the more mainstream fans you get of a lot of music, I feel like there is like when I talk to some people, I know there is like they might they have like respect for that early era, but they don't put it on the same level. It, it is just like, oh, yeah, well, it's like it respect, like a little respect for little Richard, whatever. But it's. To me, it goes way beyond that, though. These we're talking like a, we're talking really amazing art, you know. We're, we're talking really wild stuff that today still sounds really wild and crazy to me, and um, and just amazing that I think it just again it just gets it, it just gets like shelved. You know, we're watching some of those Little Richard videos recently that like one of the ones was from like '66 or whatever, but just. Just an amazing performer, and and uh, you know it, it, it just it, and especially when like for I know some of us where we're talking like punk rock, and and you, that's the other thing that a lot of punk rock actually got me back into a lot of oldies, and of course like the, the biggest example, the Ramones, you know, sure they, they were they were going back to the pop song, you know, and they were going back to the idea of three chord, fast, yeah. loud, fun songs to dance to, right? You know, right. They were they were taking rock and roll back. Back to its roots yeah because rock and roll had started to take themselves seriously you know and and, and yeah. sure a lot of yeah. wonderful music came from that era but you know rock and roll had lost touch with its roots 
and it was right. turning into yeah, this contest like, of who can like, be. I love any band that like that like rocks, you know. Yeah, like any band that just like straight up rocks, like like even like bands that like from like before rock and roll, like whatever you want to like you know go back like way back in the day, like yeah, like the forties and stuff. Like some some of those guys are like I mean like they're fucking slamming, you know, like they don't know what the fuck rock and roll is. It hasn't been invented yeah. yet. But they're still just like they're yeah. up there and they're fucking slamming and they're just killing it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like in the mood was the first rock and roll song. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, just like. <laughs> And I mean, that, I feel that, like that, that fucking fucking backbeat, you know. And I mean, I feel like we also gotta like separate out, like you know. I think that I think we have to separate like the Little Richards and the Chuck Berries from I think some of the more like sort of like sort of cookie cutter sort of you know, for the lack of a better term, white artists sure. that really sure. took some of that music and made it way more sort of like corporate because i think like <coughs> Papoon, you know, Papoon. right and yeah and i mean i think that you know i think if you look you know if you think about like chuck berry as a good example of this or and little richard as well it's like they were doing they were like pushing the envelopes as as far as it possibly could have gone in the time period that they were playing music you know they, they were writing this yeah. music and, right it's like like if you just like listen like actually read the lyrics of like something like roll over beethoven and like yeah you actually understand like how how sexual it is in like the late 50s early 60s and like to have you know like a like a black artist sing that in you know for you know a multiracial and you know first first a black audience but then became you know sort of popularized for you know a white audience as well as like that was that's pretty fucking revolutionary you know? yeah mm-hmm. absolutely it, it, it's an example of black music crossing over and yeah. rock and roll turned into this thing that transcended race you know mm-hmm. where you could have someone like a chuck berry or a little richard and a richie valens within the same movement as someone like a buddy holly yeah, yeah. i mean i think that there's you know there's definitely tension within that i think that it's not i don't think it's enough to say like you know these were all sort of part of the same movement because i think that there were like that's fair to say yeah and i mean i think that there was definitely like an attempt to i don't know like not to get all like you know marxist or whatever for a second there here but like you know, like this, there was an attempt to commodify as, as usual in society, an attempt to commodify a particular art form and, you know, turn it into a product. And I think some of that stuff is like, you know, I mean, I think that artists have to do that regardless because like, sure. that's how they survive. But yeah, I think that there's like, yeah, there's something, there's there's definitely like I hear the criticisms of that era of music and also it's like like you have to recognize like and put it in context like of how much like people were up in arms even for like Elvis shaking his hips back yeah. in the day you know sure. it's like you have to really appreciate the context in it that that this music came out of in order to really like make a judgment of it and I think that in that sense like you can't just sort of compare oh like the late 60s and 70s music to the late 50s and early 60s music because it's like yeah it's under totally different contexts in some ways i mean you know and in some ways like the the music itself changed society as much as it was changed yeah. by changing society Absolutely. You know? so 
Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think that is important. Remember, it, uh, think of it in, in, you have to keep in mind that, yeah, the, the context that the music came out of, that's absolutely. And I, I mean, also just to me, again, just even just the sound, though, just I think that it's, um, yeah, I think just underappreciated, you know, just um, a lot of this stuff is, is just underappreciated that it gets, I don't know, simplified. And I think you brought up a good point of being commodified. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's absolutely Fortunately, that's that's what's going to happen, and like I think that that era, this music was so radical and and also challenged so heavily that you know, I don't think mainstream society even want, mainstream society didn't want it. That I think that the purity of that era too is just on one front the fact that it was you didn't have big business in there yet. You know, what I mean, there were people commodifying it, you know, as much as they possibly could, but big business hadn't hadn't come in yet. In like a big, big way. You know what I mean? When I'm saying when I'm talking like arenas, like we talked to even go a little bit further back, like Billy Holiday and stuff like just, you know, had like hits but was playing clubs. This music was still really small and was getting an audience. Through the sixties and definitely by the seventies, that's I mean with Woodstock being a big example, is when you got big business really saying, Okay, we can really make this can be a significant industry and I think that's an important context as well is to realize that that the purity of all of this music was it was it was you know of course there were people from day one that were gonna wanted to make money from it but they it was largely it was before the industry really really became became its, a, a big music the music industry wasn't from what I can see like a big big industry big yet you know what I mean yeah I think it definitely it was there I mean I think that you just yeah have to, it, it, like, look at the yeah you know, I think you look about, at the yeah like like the number of songwriters for example or sort of studio musicians and then the sort of like I don't know. Like, yeah. for example, like watching that movie, um, Love and Mercy, like, yep. and understanding the sort of pressures that, you know, somebody like Brian Wilson was under. Yeah. Like, sure. um, you know, in that time period, even as the, the Beach Boys, to like write a hit, hit song and that yep. sort of stuff. But yeah, I think like, I forget who said it, I'm talking about punk, but like, I think like in so many ways, like punk was trying to get back to that like right. fun, fast, like sort of radical, like pushing the envelope sort of music of the early rock and roll. And yeah. I think that, yeah, like maybe that's like, you know, as much as we're a noise band, we can also like claim, like, we can claim the Ramones, we can claim like punk and all of that sort of stuff because, you know, like we're really trying to do what like punk did in like taking that music and bringing it back and bringing it back yeah. to that just pure, yeah, fun ex- sort of expression and all that stuff. Something of an age of innocence. Yeah. 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 I think there's a lot to there. It's, yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, here's the thing is, and the, what I find more and more over time is that it, ultimately it's really the message itself, whatever. I don't know exactly what that message is saying, but, but the message itself is bigger than any one like person or group can, can do. And it's like, you're constantly challenging whatever the status quo is challenging. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, it, the, the Ramones or whatever it is serves as inspiration. You know what I mean? That's, that's what it is. Punk though, or anything is you're constantly challenging things in a way, you know what I mean? So it's like, we can say the Ramones and I, they're one of the greatest bands, if not the greatest band of all time, my thing. And, and they, you know, or punk or any of those, 
all those key bands were on major labels. And the thing is that we've kind of, over time, we've taken punk in a, or what we often think of as punk is not necessarily that. And that Ramones, along with Sex Pistols and some of those other bands, inspired a whole slew of other bands like Black Flag, who paved the way for the very underground steps we're walking on today. And they, they you know, they took the idea of what the Ramones were doing, of like going back to a, to a you know, a purer, a way of, you know, a fuck you to the music industry in a way. Even though the Ramones were part of the music industry and wanted to be part of the music industry. But the, but see, but like those bands, they took, like Black Flag, they took that, what the Ramones did, and they made it into their own thing. And I think that's really essential. And it's not sure. any one particular band or group or person or whatever. It's like anything else in history. It's like you you kind of just, you take the message, I think, more than, than, the, than, the, than any particular person. And then you create sure. it into your own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah otherwise, but, yeah. I feel like just like, but like just like like rock rocking the fuck out, you know? It's yeah, like, exactly, yeah. Like U- yeah. ultimately what it like, comes I, down to, yeah. I feel like I feel like too, like even like, you know, like, even if you're just like fucking like at like the can tab, you know, and it's, yeah. it's just, you know, just like like the band and the bartender, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully so more like, like whatever yeah. Like yeah. still, still to give the bartender a good show, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, they they work hard and, <laughs> and uh, they they deserve a good show. What's like? I always look at the position of like smashing myth. You know what I mean? In a way, it's like I always felt like that's good to like. That's what was the ideal when you're a kid and like you're looking into like finding out about stuff. You know what I mean? And, and then you kind of realize uh, sometimes some of this is just like a myth or something. It's just whatever. It's not it's not necessarily what you thought it was. But but then it's like you just create your own thing you know you don't necessarily look to like any one particular person or it's like more rather like what you get from it and like maybe like the message overall yeah i mean there's so many i mean we could we could go i mean obviously so many books have been written and so many things it just uh it really is an interesting era of music with the the oldies you know because so much of it is like we've said so radical and still some still radical to this day um, and then you can also pick apart and look at so much of an, on a, on a more cynical, but absolutely accurate side, how much of it is so, um, reinforcing a lot of the, the sort of, um, stereotypes of the era and stuff. And just even with a lot of the girl groups and stuff like that, where, uh, amazing music, but you, it's funny how like looking at it from like our lens of today, it's just so much of it is, uh, so of its era, but, um, I think the music still holds up really well too, but oh, absolutely. Um, it just, yeah, um, that it kind of like, you know, goes beyond that, but it is just, inter- it really is an interesting era where, you know, as I said before, I think just, you know, when the band, you know, the Beatles and everything, that kind of just had to happen of like sure. getting, you know, into perhaps more serious, the bands taking themselves more serious perhaps. And, um, just getting into a band, you know, bands playing as opposed sure. to a, a vocal, vocal group or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, even to your point about the crickets, I mean, I've talked to people, you know, when I'm talking about the Beatles and like people, and they know who Buddy Ollie is, they know all of his songs, but they don't even like necessarily like think of that or acknowledge like the crickets influence. Yeah. Um, Buddy Holly, definitely a guy who doesn't get his due. And yeah, I mean, I would say that the girl group era of the early 60s is this this period of this great music that gets slept on, like criminally slept on. Yeah, 
exactly. And and even just vocal groups in general, like you were saying about doo-wop, like we wouldn't have the Beach Boys if it wasn't for groups like that. We wouldn't have... Oh my God. (laughs) We we, we wouldn't have the Mamas and the Papas. We, you know, like like the Beatles were trying to copy with their three-part harmonies. Like... Exactly. And... I mean, this is just Where do my you think own that taste. was coming from? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this is just my own taste. But honestly, and it's like it, it, I didn't really get into this stuff till much, much later, uh, much later than you guys. But like, I look back, and so much of this stuff, I think that was much better. Like that era of like the a lot of the doo wop stuff, and and um, I still am like the vocals in particular with a lot of the doo-wop groups i'm just still like spellbound just it's like it's trippy to it. a lot of this music to me is really trippy to me just yeah. how amazing it sounds you know and holds and up really well it's this throwback to another era where you know instead of say starting a garage band with your high school classmates you know yeah. high schoolers would get together five guys who could all sing in different vocal ranges and that's how the temptations start you know yeah. like instead of instead of needing a guitar player you needed a bass singer and you needed someone who could sing the high parts and you know and and like all these standards that we've talked about with blues and jazz like doo-wop had its standards too in the still of the night and come go with me what have you and you know that it's this great tradition that the beach boys came from and you know the mamas yeah. and the papas and and that whole that whole era just doesn't get its due, you know. It doesn't. Yeah, it really doesn't. Um, you know, it's it's uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff, unfortunately, that there's like it, it gets like, especially when we're talking about like doo-wop, where it gets it's this weird cheesy, and a lot of it is from white people. But I mean, but there are also great white doo-wop groups too. But I mean, sure. it's largely this black genre that you know, and and like um, you had a lot of these groups who who then even at the time and now even like the popular, I feel like to an extent, the popular like consciousness of it, it it's just almost this like really cheesy kind of um, I don't know, sort of like commercial look of, of what that music is like. And it just, it's sort of, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't, it doesn't get at the real art of the music. It just feels like kind of like yeah. pat, creepy, the creepy Batpoon vibe, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, well, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I think, I, I feel like there are certain, there are certain listeners who don't quite appreciate the art of constructing a five-part vocal harmony, you know? Yeah. You know, like, there, there are people who listen to rock and roll, and the only thing they care about is guitar tone. And Yeah. Like, and, and, like, that's all well and good, and you know, not to knock guitar players or anything, but, you know, you, you know to me... And and there's a lot of instrumental music that I love. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. you know, with popular music, with this idiom, I, I feel like it ultimately comes. It's ultimately the human voice, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. I agree. It sticks with me, you know. Same. That's why I think perhaps why we're both very much attracted to do uh, to do op because it's so heavily based around the vocals. And now you go back to the Ramones. Listen to Joey Ramone. I mean, the whole band is. Obviously, they're blitzing and everything, but Joey Ramone's vocals are just, you can tell he listened to so much of the 60s stuff, in Absolutely. particular, um, the Ronettes, and he's collaborated with Ronnie Spector. Here, he did collaborate with Ronnie Spector. You know, and the the influence is just just evident, and, it, and going back to what you're saying about the guitar stuff, it gets really, you know, kind of funny when you have these people who are very much into classic rock and what we've just 
you know, kind of defined as like the sort of seventies classic rock or now perhaps even later decades. And, um, you show them a band like the Ramones and like, yeah, that's cute. You know, they're like, Oh yeah, they had a few good songs that they, you know, sounded the same. And like, they don't, I don't think they even like get what the Ramones were doing. You know, they don't, they don't even really get it. They just kind of think of it as just, they was for simple, fun pop songs and, and they were, you know, but, um, or even just like people they, who, or even yeah. just people who look to George Harrison and uh, Keith Richards as their guitar gods, without realizing that you know, as great as those guys are, it started with people like Scotty Moore and Chuck Berry and um, and Buddy Holly, a, a wonderful lead guitar player, you know, um, and Carl Perkins, yeah. you know, and this whole this whole idea of the guitar hero it didn't start in the mid sixties. It started in the fifties. Right. Right. You know? And, and, you know, in, in the mid sixties, it became about who could have the most ambitious production, you know, who could put out a record like, like good vibrations or like strawberry fields forever. Mm. And, and, you know, rock music started to kind of go in that direction and away from something like a blue suede shoes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, yeah, there's so much to talk about, but as far as I can understand also, and this is, I think, when I thought when I was younger, as far as like taking the music more serious or not, um, definitely like lyrical content. And, you know, that did obviously evolve. That being said, there are exceptions because, I, I, you know, a fair criticism could be of a lot of the songs of that era were dealing with like, you know, my baby and me doing this or sure, going sure. to the hop or whatever. Um, in a weird way, though, I kind of like that. You know, I sort of appreciate it um, for like because it, it was a, of its era. You know, sure, I think sure. like you know, I, I don't know how much you can, how long you can actually do that, but I kind of celebrate those years as it's unto itself. Um, you know, as it as just being just part of that era. And uh, and but th- that being said, you can still find some kind of uh, some some oddities out there or some stuff. And I, I've always been fascinated by the uh, teenage death whatever nightmare of like, like Shangri-La's uh, leader yeah. in the pack or Jan Dean, dead, dead man's care. And this yeah, is yeah. all sorts of little stuff, you know, and that, that's the other whole, uh, whole point of like, and this is a little bit more like last couple of years, especially during the quarantine, I've just been diving more into more um, the deeper cuts and, you know, you just come across stuff that honestly is just as good as the hits. And unfortunately, again, it, it just gets totally ignored, you know, um, but yeah, I mean that's with every genre. That's with lots of things. You know, it's kind of most things are going to be like ignored. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. It, it's uh, there's, there's so much to to talk about. But um, I don't know. The one of the biggest I think takeaways with the the oldies, I I, I feel is that um, you know just really like the spirit of the music, kind of what we've gotten back before, just it, it being really fun. And um, I feel like a lot of that is, is is missing from a lot of the other eras of music up until today that, you know, whether it's manufactured fun or not, I, I don't know, but I, I feel like a lot of it is lost. Yeah, yeah, you know, I feel like rock music kind of split into different ideologies, um, a spectrum, if you will, of, yep. you know, are we doing fun wild rock and roll that doesn't take itself too seriously or are we doing are, or are we trying to make serious art that that people treat as such you know yeah 
Yeah, I was just listening to Louie Louie actually yesterday. And like, I mean, I've listened to that song like so many times, but it just kind of, yeah, I mean, just hearing it again, it really like just the brilliance of that song. <laughs> of, um, yeah, just how like ridiculous even today that song is. I mean, you, you can't even make out what the words are and everything. And, um, yeah, it, but that's what makes it great. You know? That's one part of what makes it great. And I feel like you bring up a good point. You know, I think that, you know, it's like there's like the – I feel like pop music still has that sort of fun, like focused on like fun and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I think it's like a, it's not quite as like – I don't know – it's I, I don't know organic maybe yeah like, no I know you mean you know like it's it's like just it has taken some of the dynamics we talked about earlier about like sort of the production and the you know all of that sort of stuff to yeah but I think that there's there's just like some uh just that there's um some of that the the fun is still there. The focus on like fun yeah. and not really caring about meaning or lyrics or whatever. But yeah, I feel like now it's just taken some of those dynamics of like yeah. production, core, like commodifying the songs, like that sort yeah. of stuff to like such a degree that it's like, it's lost that other essential component, yeah. which is like, I agree. yeah, it's like, you know, but I think there, I think, yeah, like there was maybe like, maybe you could classify it as a split or whatever, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's like, as far as rock and roll, quote unquote rock and roll goes, like there's, there's the sort of really serious heads, um, the people that take themselves super serious and then who try to be as, as authentic as they can, I think, oftentimes. And then there's like the other side of it, which is like the authenticity doesn't matter. It's just about fun. And that has a, you know, that's the other side of it, which is often the like the more commodified, you know, corporate sort of thing that we right. see today too. Um, but I don't know. That's That might be a little bit like, I don't know, maybe oversimplifying it, but I feel like that's like, Sure. That's a dynamic that exists. Yeah, definitely. I think that a couple things where I feel like, in a way, going back to like say something like Louie Louie, in a way, you could argue it's like they do care. They do care about it. There is meaning. There's meaning by the the fact that it is so ridiculous and absurd that there, you know, it is like that. That was the purpose of it. You know, like that was, you know, what I mean, in a way that they're they're they were making a song that was that was you know i mean obviously the, the, the cover but they were purposely because you listen to the kingsman's other stuff and um and again the more i listen to that song i mean as you all know we all know we've listened to a lot i mean lots of uh weird perhaps inept kind of music you really listen to that song i mean i they knew what they were doing you know they they knew what they were doing uh and you listen to the other stuff the kings if you listen to other kingsmen songs they don't sound like louis louis they they so and again this kind of goes back to i guess what we were talking about before like it's almost like the 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 myth of it or it's like the inspiration you know in a way than necessarily the the reality but i think like they i think that they did they were made they wanted to make a you know this kind of like messed up song in a way sure um 
and it worked really well. And I think they were, like I said, I think they were brilliant at it. I think some of it probably was just totally mistakes, but that's the point in a way. They, they, they were capturing those mistakes. You know, who the hell knows? Who the hell knows that it worked? And I don't know, in a way too, it's like, it was okay for it not to make sense. And I think with some of the stuff, perhaps that's more fun or even bizarre today, today that works for people that's, that's sold to people. There's still um, a sense of consistency and, and a lot of times stuff makes sense to people in a way, because a lot of times it's just heavily marketed towards them. But, and I, I don't know if there's that same kind of ember, the embrace of like the, the audience to be okay with things, not necessarily making sense, you know, in a, in a, in a, you know, the conventional, like I think people, you know, things need to make sense to them in a way that perhaps they may have been more open to, you know, something really bizarre or something. I don't, I don't know that a more radical idea. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. It's just my take on it. I feel like, like say for example, like tiny Tim, you know, the, the singer, I don't know if something like that would work today without it just being like a total, I mean, that was already kind of a novelty back then, of course, but like without it being a total joke, whereas like, cause like, instead of just admiring the oddity of his voice and him like doing these songs, in a very unique way and you know obviously doing his little spin on it with like the different you know the different sounds you could get out of his voice but like i don't know if something like that even works anymore with you know I, I don't know i mean i'm sure there was marketing and everything back then but i still feel like people need stuff to like make sense to them that i i think there was a there was um i think we've gone more and more towards the we've sailed our ship towards normalcy way too much you know um that uh i don't know that's just one aspect. And then the other hand, I would say the opposite where actually at the same time, um, there's, there's so many divisions of things now that it's hard for anything to stand out. You know, it's like, is it indie? Is it under, is it, is it you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's no real, like one, like this was the Beatles. This was, uh, you know, um, whatever it was, you know, that, that this, like, here's the, the band that kind of did it or whatever. Here was like, you know, whoever it is, it's, it's, you know, that like everyone's listening to the temptations or James Brown or, or whoever it is, like, you know, people that's who you, I mean, there's obviously with other artists and stuff like that, but, um, you know, over time it became like the guy kind of got fractured, um, for better, or for worse. And in a lot of ways, even better, you know, better too, but like it, it, there's, I don't know, that's, it kind of puts everyone, it's hard for things to stand out. It's like the vast ocean of the internet. Um, I don't know if it's on one hand, you have so much immediate access to things and that's phenomenal. Like so much of the music we've, we've talked about, we have access to it and it's phenomenal more than we ever had before. At the same time, I don't know if that's really, if convenience really is the best thing or, or you know, as opposed to going for like that search for like at a record store, you know, for that record that I don't know. It's um, mm-hmm. different. Just I guess it's different at the very least. I don't know. It, it, it's definitely good and bad, but I I I, I think hmm, I don't know. It's uh, on one hand for me, I, I'm really saddened by the uh, the loss of uh, like more of like kind of like record stores and stuff like that, and um, the internet in many ways could be like herald was was herald as this sort of like sense of like for me young artists to be like, well, you could have the same amount of access to the public as Metallica or Beyonce, but reality is that there's millions upon millions of other stuff out there that, you know, just becomes vast ocean of 
information out there on the internet as opposed to like a uh, source potentially becoming a, a you know an, an arbiter of uh, information for people to to get into stuff you know um, sure. yeah like a radio show or a record store or a record label you know let's say it was a great like doo-wop radio show and they I mean those still exist but you know that that could be your way and then you get into more and more doo-wop through that and other genres perhaps um but maybe not and then maybe people just you know whatever there's so much shit out there on the internet but they just go with actually what's immediately in front of them just like they always had before i don't know it's uh it's hard to say i just think it's difficult it becomes more and more difficult for uh for, for for anything to stand out yeah. for better or for worse but <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think that there certainly was gatekeeping that existed yeah. across the music industry for a long time i mean just like sure. for example like the dynamic of you know paying to get to get your record heard yep. over the radio, yeah yeah you know? sure. yeah yeah Dude, that still exists actually to an extent i oh, mean yeah. maybe not it's... not yeah um yeah. yeah yeah you know it's just a thing of Record labels can't actually pay money, but what they do instead is gifts and favors. Yep, right. And that's what payola really turned into. Yeah, right. I hope all of you, I hope all of you got your gifts um, for appearing on this podcast. And you, know. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't give me shit. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn. Well, maybe next year, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to go through the, the COVID vetting process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, I was just going to say, like, I feel like the two, like the, um, right. Like as the music industry, the modern music industry developed, right. It's like they're developed sort of, you had to figure out music executives had to figure out like, okay, how do we identify our different audiences? And how do we market to those audiences? And how do yep. we get that money from by selling them a particular commodity? Because like, yep. you know, like as, so like that's where I think that you start to get, you know, not just like, not just the genres of, okay, we're going to have like classical and uh, like R&B, which is really, you know, was you know, for a long time, just known as like sort of the, I mean, yeah, yeah I think records. they race records. Yeah, exactly. And then you had sort of pop. It's like now you have to, which, you know, I'm, my understanding is like billboard sort of has still has like a lot, you know, they don't differentiate too much as far as genres. They just like, it's like, you know, pop and urban and adult contemporary and like maybe a few others yeah so it's like nowadays they have to figure out like you know let's say since the 70s or 80s they were like okay now we have to now we have these new sounds how do we identify the audiences and market to them so then it's like okay let's create this thing known as new wave or like yeah. let's create yep this genre as known as like alternative slash punk, you know? Sure. sure. And like some of these things are like, like, like too precise. And then other things are like not precise at all where like they'll market, like they'll like put together, like, I don't know, sort of dated example, but like, for example, like they'll put together like new metal, like, Mm -hmm. 
with yeah. like pop punk and call it like alternative slash punk and like that's the yeah. genre or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. So it's like, yeah, I think that that sort of genre differentiation is like we've become these sort of marketing audiences similar to the way that like in a very like crazy way like you know facebook like will <laughs> try to sell you like the like these particular things that like they either like saw you searching for or like yeah, you know, yeah. like maybe listened yeah. to your conversations or something like that. It's sort of oh, yeah, look totally. at one page on Sweetwater <laughs> and sell me right. every website trying to sell me the same microphone. You know, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's like I think what we've seen is that that's sort of so like they've just created these these audiences that are so micro focused that you can sometimes not get. Like you can't, like you sometimes get like sort of checked out the, the article, but there's like, there's an article that just came out about Spotify. That's like, I think makes this basic argument that like it's things have become so like quote unquote personalized or like really, yeah, Yeah. niche and like, but really it's not niche for our benefit. It's the benefit of the marketers or whatever. Right. Right it's like yeah to your point like it's difficult to just be like unless you're talking about like just straight pop music you know yeah that's just like you know and even then nowadays it's like i don't know about you but like i'm not it's not like i'm super aware of like yeah the the (laughs) top trading singles are anything like that. i'm pretty out of touch yeah i'm pretty out of touch as far as that goes Um, then you've got well, then a song like Old Town Road comes along and Billboard doesn't know what to make of it, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't even know. Like, honestly, I, don't, I have no idea anymore. I don't know who even does that song. I don't, that's the thing. Like, like, I, like I, I'm so out of touch and, like, I haven't seen anything at all come from the mainstream for the most part, even from what I could see of, like, any indie kind of stuff either that's really, like, done anything for me or, like, you know, I don't know. Um that's why I really love underground music is that it's for the most part, there's, um, you know, ideally, I mean, you're coming, you're, it's not something that's coming from a, mar- a marketplace, you know, you're just, you're hearing some kids bash away in a basement, you know, <laughs> you know, um, which is where anything good is going to start, you know, for the most part. Um, Absolutely. There's something genuine so, about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, and again, I'm not saying like, I'm not opposed. If there's something that's mainstream that I thought was good, then, you know, I'm going to like it, but I just haven't heard anything in a long time, you know, in a long yeah. time that, you know, um, and I think that it's weird, like uh, going back to the fractured thing. I think that's how a lot of people feel now where it's, it, it, we, we we're very far removed from that. Um, where, you know, even though the, it's like, what is the mainstream anymore? Because there's everyone kind of, I don't know, or maybe not. I don't even know. That's, and that's I when don't the main, even really know. Well, well, that's how the mainstream became the lowest common denominator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, that, I think that your point about Old Town Road, I think, is really interesting, Ben, where it's like, I think it's because that song could like was really like crossing over across these different audiences yeah that it was like like not only like it's not just that they didn't know what to make of it but it was more like it's like it really broke out of like the the siloed like 
you know, the, the siloing of the sure. modern music industry in a real way um, where it was like everybody was listening to it. And I, I, I knew you were going to bring it back to Old Town Road at some point. <laughs> Look, yeah, I'm going to ride damn. until I can no more, okay? Oh, uh, I say what I uh, I don't know if you all feel the same way, but I I, I can't stand and uh, when you talk in the groups of people and you say what kind of music you listen to, and if someone's response is everything or all genres, it's it, for me personally I I I I always kind of cringe because it's usually couldn't be. First off, I think that that's just impossible anyway. But but sure, secondly, sure. it's almost always not someone who's like and i don't mean this in a snobbish way i really don't um it's almost not someone who's like well-versed in various like genres of music um the stuff we've talked about they uh, in my experience anyway uh for the most part when people say that like i really i like everything or like all genres it's um you know um it's almost then they start to say, yeah, like, I like rock. I like alternative. I, it's like, I don't like country. Sometimes people throw that in there. They're like, I don't know. I like rap. And it's like, sure, but sure. it's kind of, tri- it's just trivializing like all, almost all the stuff we've just talked about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like if your example is I like rock, that means I like red hot chili peppers. I like metal. That means I like Metallica. I like, you know, classical. Cause I like Beethoven. I like rap. Cause I like, um, you know, uh, LL Cool J. And the, you're just kind of naming all these like little mainstream names and everything it's just like well i mean there's just so much more out there though you know what i mean like why would you know and 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 you just i i've just heard from enough people where you just get that impression that they they're they're ultimately just unaware of so much other stuff you know i mean whether they want to know about it or not i don't know but um yeah it's just kind of cringy for me (laughs) yeah um it's like sad in a way too because it's like i i realize that not everyone cares about art and everything you know it's not a whatever you know it's you know there's things i don't care about that uh and there's styles of art things that i know nothing about and um you know it's okay but uh cringy for me yeah i mean i think that it's i mean it's i guess like for me it's like yeah it's good people even if like people no matter like what degree it is in reality it's i mean it's good people like sort of express that they want to have an open mind about music which is good but right yeah, I mean, I think, I think it is, yeah, I mean, it's limited. I think people have a, often have either, you know, just because they haven't invested in the time themselves or right. just the way that, yeah, way that music works, like talking about the siloing or, or whatever. It's like, I think that people are not, ex- and especially like if we're talking about the underground stuff, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like noise and, like this sort of like this sort of performance like like performance art slash music that um that you see like at like some of the noise fest noise fest stuff it's like yeah yeah you're not like yeah people aren't exposed to that sort of stuff uh, right so it's tough to yeah it's to it's it's good that they want to say like, okay, I want to be an open, you know, I want to yeah, that be is open to everything, yeah. you know, right. but it's like, yeah, I think when push comes to shove, it's like, we have to sort of test that theory out in practice. Right. <laughs> right. Well, cause it, and for me, I guess it goes even beyond the cringy thing. It's like, absolutely. It's good that they want to have that open mind, but in a lot of ways that when we're talking about art, we're talking culture, you know? So, and, um, 
you know, and, and someone there might even be, in some instances, maybe like they might have disparate, you know, they can say like, Hey, look at my iPod. I'm listening to Slipknot and Dave Matthews and, you know, Alicia Keys and all this stuff. And, um, but like, okay, so where's all this music coming from? And like, what, like what labels are putting this out? Where, where is it? It's all Western music. You know what I mean? Like you go through different ways of angles. It's like, if you, if you're really on the, like the pursuit of being like, open-minded or whatever towards different stuff, you know, kind of like how far are you really pursuing that, you know, in a way that, um, sure, sure. and again, I, I don't mean in a condescending way. I just think it's an, it was an interesting point because as you, you did say, Sean, I think that is a good point that they, they are at least want to have the sense of like open-minded or they don't want to be pigeonholed to one thing. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a, uh, I don't know. It just, it, 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 I mean, again, like you, you some of these people, uh, almost all these experience, you say something like rockabilly, they probably don't even know what the hell that is. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that, like realistically, cause you even said like, about like noise or performance art, we don't even have to go that far. You could play them like a black flag song. And even though they know punk in the general consciousness, their idea of punk might be some 41, you know, it might be green day. Mm-hmm. They might not have at all. Like they, uh, even, even the Ramones to an extent, as big as they are, they might not even have that in their consciousness. It's like, you know, like what, like, what is this? Because I've actually showed, um, this is funny one time I showed my coworkers some music and cause they were familiar. Like we start, I started off really slow with like, so like, okay, everyone was familiar with Nirvana. And he started showing, I'm like, okay, here's some of the stuff that like inspired Nirvana. I showed them like big black and the shags and, uh, and they were like, I've never heard anything at all remotely like this. Like, I don't even, is this music? You know, like they didn't, you know, and yet like those bands are very much influential to the sound of Nirvana. So, you know, I mean, even sure. if you can hear it or not, you know, you can't really hear it as much, particularly with like the Shacks especially, but, but it's, but, you know, yeah. totally influential shaping that music that, you know, in a lot of ways became the dominant music, at least, you know, in some cases. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, um, yeah, I mean, because I guess for me, just the, the biggest sort of thing is, is the, on one hand, you, when you feel like so deeply or love something so much that it, it it's hard to like, in a way, like, I don't expect anyone to necessarily like some of this, a lot of this stuff, but it's at the same time, like, sort of, it's almost like oddly uh, frustrating, I guess, to, uh, just only like the reacting to what's immediately in front of you kind of, um, yeah. you know, it, to, to dig a little bit deeper, I think is just at the very least a, a, a good thing. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go. When you've got worries, all the noise in the hurry seems to help, I know. Downtown, just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Linger on the sidewalk where the neon signs are pretty. How The lights are much brighter there. You can forget all your troubles, forget all the cares and go downtown. Things will be great when you're downtown No final place for sure Downtown Everything's waiting for you Downtown Everything's 
Some little places to go to where they never close 